Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. just a taste of what you missed. Thank you to everybody, all the kids who were here. And if you see a green shirt, uh, they are not destined to die like in Star Trek. But instead, they were the volunteers for this week. And thank you, volunteers. I don't know. It's red shirts. Right. So, Keith, don't hold me to Trek lore. Anyway, um, nerd. And so just thank you so much for all that you gave volunteers and how awesome you were. It was a great week and we're looking forward to right after service today, we're going to go outside and downstairs and we've got the slip and slide and lunch for everybody who wants to stay. So if you didn't bring your bathing suit, that's okay. You can just go down the slip and slide right as you are adults. Kids, you need your bathing suits and mom and dad's permission. But uh, anyway, it's going to be a good time. Encourage everybody to join us. And then coming up in just two weeks, August 13th, everyone is invited back, students and parents, to bring your backpacks. And we'll be praying over those and blessing of backpacks for the coming school year. So if you're a student, if you're a teacher, student in any age group from kindergarten to master's classes, we'll be praying over your bags and praying for a good school year. So Come and join us for Backpack Blessings. And you might wonder, why do we do what we do? Everybody here who's here on a regular basis, you should know that our mission here is to know God and make Him known. That we are working to have an intimate, personal relationship with God that we might then go out into the world around us and introduce Him to others and introduce them to Him that they might be saved and be citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, we're taking a a break this week from our Colossians series. We have one more week in the the letter of Paul to the church at Colossae. Uh, So come next week if you want to hear the conclusion of that letter. But today we are going to do a little bit of wrap-up and recapitulation. I've been using a few nickel words today. I used orthodoxy and orthopraxy in Sunday school this morning. If you want to know what those are, talk to me. Uh, Recapitulation, it's another Scrabble word. You can use it this week to win. Uh, It just means to go over it again, to to repeat what we've already said. And so we're going to repeat some of the lessons that we learned this week in VBS. And this is for the benefit of you kids to, to review, to see what you remember, and for all the rest of us to see what our children have learned. And and why is it important? Well, it's because they learned the very heart of what Christianity is, the gospel message. And so if you've got your phone, you can open it up to today's Bible app event and find the scriptures we're going to be looking at. And if you don't have your phone, uh, but you brought a Bible, open it up to Genesis chapter 1. We are going to be starting at the very beginning, which according to Maria is a very fine place to start. 
Sorry. Uh, everybody who knows me, you can tell I'm in a weird place today. Uh, but it's VBS. I'm, I got to keep myself amped up. I'm going to be going down that slip and slide head first. So, I, you know, I'm just, it's like, <gasps> I'm already starting to fret because uh, I'm getting older and more brittle. But, but here's the deals we're going to look at, at this. And, and why is Genesis so important? Well, it, it is really the heart of, of, of the beginning, and it tells us why we're here, what's going on, and what God's plans were for us as his creation. First, though, let's memorize, or not memorize, but review this last week's verse. Kids, you guys remember this? It, it comes from Hebrews 11.1. 1. So let's go over it together. Everybody can join in. Ready? Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. CSB. Now, why does it say CSB? Some of you who maybe are visiting with us or you're not familiar, that, that CSB, it just uh, tells us which translation of the Bible we're using. Uh, this is the Christian Standard Bible. There are many different great modern translations of the Bible. Some of you are probably most familiar with the King James Version. You grew up with it. It's the one that Grandma gave you. It's that Bible that you have packed away somewhere that you never read. Um, uh, well, and then there's some of you who still use the King James Version. Great translation. Uh, but then we have other modern translations, the New American Standard, the NIV, the New King James Version, the Christian Standard Bible, the New Living Translation. And you might go, why do we need lots of different translations of the Bible? Well, they're all efforts to take what Scripture says in its original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and translate them into English so that all of us can understand. And they're just different approaches to reading and translating the same original languages for different age groups and different perspectives. So we use the Christian Standard Bible translation. So that's where the CSB comes from. And it's not really part of the scripture. It's just there to tell us where it comes from. So Genesis chapters 1 and 2, it begins to tell us the story of who we are and why God made us and what it is we are here for. So kids, uh, I, I want you to help me remember how this goes. But in the beginning, it says, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then what follows are six days of creation. So the first day of creation, can anybody tell me what God spoke into existence the first day of creation? Anybody remember? If you have your Bible open, you can cheat. Just yell it out. Light. On the first day of creation, God spoke light into existence. That there was the earth and heavens, but light did not exist. On the first day of creation, God said, let there be light. And then what did God say about the light that he had created? What did he call it? That's right. He called it good. He said, I like what I've done today. Now, this is maybe seems kind of like self-important or, or self-righteous, but God is perfectly righteous and the most important. And so he is able to speak well of his work because it is he who makes all things possible. And so the second day of creation, it tells us that God continued to create. And starting in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 1, then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. And he called the expanse sky. 
Evening came and then morning, and that was the second day. So then we have the expanses. We have sky and we have water beneath. And we know that God still felt that creation was what? Good. God looks down at creation and he says, this is good work. I'm very pleased with what's going on here. And, and then verse, or excuse me, the, the next day, day three, starting in verse 10, uh, here, here's what happens. Uh, he, he gathers the water under the sky into one place and the dry land appears and it's so. And, and God called the dry land earth and he, the gathering uh, of the water he called seas and he says it's good. And then the earth produces vegetation. There's plants everywhere. And these plants, they've got all kinds of seeds and fruit and good stuff to eat and beautiful things that are growing. And then when God is done with that, he speaks all of that into, into existence. What does he say about it? He says, it's good. This is good work. God says, I like what I'm doing here. This creation is going well. And then the next day after there was vegetation, after he's got dry land and oceans, then God says, verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and they will serve as signs for seasons and for days and for years. And, and here is what we see that God creates the sun and the moon and the stars to help us see times and seasons and years. And then what does God say about all of this that he's created so far? It was good. Understand, as God created this perfect, wonderful, loving, all-powerful, gracious God, he is creating the earth. And every day of creation, he says, of the work of his hands, this is good stuff. I like this. He says of, of the, the things that have come to be because he spoke them into existence, this is good. And, and when we talk about good, we're not just talking like, yeah, it's all right. But, but God, when God, the perfect holy being, says that something is good, it means it is without fault. It is without any kind of mistakes. It is just as he wants it to be and perfect in his eyes. And so he continues to speak things into existence. The next day, he creates all the animals of the oceans, and he creates all the birds of the sky. And they're supposed to have babies that look just like them and lay eggs and, and, and things to, to create their offspring and fill up the sky and fill up the oceans. And what does God say about all of these animals in the sky and the oceans? That's right. He says they are good. Everybody, I want you to be remembering that. I want you to kind of lock that in your mind. As we watch God create in Genesis chapter 1, at every step of his creation, he says, it's good. This pleases me. This is right. This is how it's supposed to be. Have you ever had a day like that? Have you ever had a moment where everything just falls into place and you're like, this is exactly how it should be? This is exactly what life should be like from now on. And, and this is what the perfect, all-powerful God who speaks everything into existence, this is what he says of his creation. He is forming it for a goal. He is filling it up with animals for a purpose. And then day six, it says he does this. He creates all of the animals that are on the land. Everything from elephants and, and rhinoceri, 
I don't, is that how you're supposed to pronounce it? I always get, the, you know, the plurals of stuff confused. That's much easier to say than rhinoceroses, right? Uh, how, well, we could take a vote, but that's pointless. Anyway, giraffes, you see all the animals that could creep on the land, even the little bugs that like to get into your shoes and food, right? That all of that came on the sixth day. And scripture shows us that, that, that or shows us that, that even the dinosaurs would have been created on that sixth day because they, they walked on the land. They were reptiles. And so what does God say about everything about that he had, had created verse 25 of Genesis chapter 1 so God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds the livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that crawl on the ground all the creepy crawlies according to their kinds and God saw that it was what good over and over again, these six days of creation, we see God declaring his creation to be good. It is exactly what he wants, exactly what he desires. He has made it as he wants it to be. So it is good. And then scripture tells us that God decided to create the pinnacle, the last thing. The thing that he had created all of the rest of this for, he's ready to create the crowning achievement of his creation. Do you guys know what that is? Us. Mankind. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says this, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The hour there is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. First revealed in the very first chapter of Genesis, we see the triune nature of God. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then verse 27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And all the guys say, that was weak. Yeah, that was weak. All the girls, they say, that was a little better. Uh, some of you are paying attention, right? So, so, so we see that that... Uh, Genesis then chapter 2 gives us the details of how this happens, that God gets down into the dust of the earth, and he shapes Adam from the dust of the earth, and then what does God do for Adam to bring him to life? He breathes life into him. Now, uh, we might be thinking, like, well, why does the first man, why does he need CPR already? Uh, I mean, is something just not quite right? no. When we look in Scripture, when we understand this, this breath, this ruach, it is the life of, of God. It is the very essence, His Spirit that flows out into mankind. And it is the image of God. You see, the image of God is not the dirt that we were made from. It is the breath of God within us, the life-giving Spirit that comes upon us and animates us and makes us what we are. And then, then it tells us in chapter 2, goes on to reveal to us that Adam had the job of naming all the animals, and in doing so was looking for a companion. Now you might think that dogs are man's best friend, but Adam would disagree. He'd be like, no, I tried the dog out. He's not my best friend. He just was not satisfactory. And so what does God do? He says it's not good that man should be alone, and he creates from the side of man, woman. And he gives us male and female, man and wife, is really what Scripture gives us by the end of chapter 2. 
And, and the end of chapter 1, it tells us something about this creation of man and woman. Psalm 139 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has shaped us. And then God's response to this shaping, God's response to this world that he created and formed for us and filled for us and then placed us, the pinnacle of his creation, into. It says this, Genesis 1, 31 and 2:1. God saw all that he had made, Speaking of everything from light to mankind, saw it all. Creepy, crawly animals, flying animals, swimming animals, running animals, plants of every variety. God looks at it all, and it was all right. It actually, it's not just good. It is very good indeed. Yes, amazing that, that it tells us then that uh, the last day, morning and evening come, or evening and morning comes, and so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. Scripture tells us very clearly that all of creation occurred in six days, six literal 24-hour morning and evening days, and that God himself declares it all not just good, but very good. Now, I want you to think about this. When God created light, what did he call it? Good. When he created the, the expanses and dry earth, what did he call it? Good. When, when he created vegetation, what did he call it? Good. When he created, oh, the sun and the moon, pretty impressive, by the way, right? He creates them by, the, by, by speaking them into existence. What does he call them? Good. When, when he creates the, all the creepy crawly animals and all the animals on the earth, what does he call them? All the animals in the sky and the ocean, he calls them. We get to people, and what does he say about us? Every, all of this together, and mankind is the pinnacle, very good. Very good. Creation was not very good until we were in it because we were God's plan. We were God's purpose in creating. And what that should do for us is from kid to oldest adult, it should help us to see ourselves with the value that God places on us. We are not accidents. We are not unloved. We are not condemned or judged. We are instead the loving creation of a glorious God. But of course, we know this is not the end of the story. In fact, it's just the first two chapters out of a very thick book. And in these first two chapters, we see how it it unfolds. By the time we get to chapter 3 of Genesis, other things begin to happen. You see, God had created man and woman to live in perfect harmony with him in the Garden of Eden, eating whatever fruit they wanted from whatever tree except for one. And it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, everything else you can eat from, but you can't eat from that. And when you eat from that, that day, you will face the consequence of death. And that was God's standard. He'd said, I created you for relationship, but I also have standards for you. There are, there, there's limits. And I need you to live within them. And well, we all know what happens, Right? Adam and Eve, they look at the tree and the fruit on it, the one that God had forbidden, 
and they say, ooh, that looks good. That, uh, that's very, very pleasing to the eye. It, uh, it, it, it's probably going to taste good. Oh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel good going down. And it'll make us important. We'll, we'll know good from evil. This is going to be a great choice, right? Except it wasn't. When they ate of the fruit, their eyes were opened. They sinned. They fell short of the standard of God. That's what sin is. Anything we do, say, think that falls short of God's perfect standards. And they had one standard. Don't eat the tree fruit. Just, just this one tree, this, this one fruit. Don't eat it. And what did they do? They ate that one. And they sinned and they fell short of the standard of God. They were opened up eyes, realized they were naked. Instead of becoming like God, they became broken and sin burdened. They became people who were, were bogged down with disobedience and rebellion against God. And they were kicked out of the good and perfect Garden of Eden and the perfect relationship they had with God. And they suffered the consequence of spiritual loss and ultimately physical death. What's interesting is we as people were not created to die. We're supposed to live forever. But sin and the, the wrong choices that we make have brought into our lives death and destruction and judgment. You see, Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. If you work an hour at your job, you earn a certain amount of wage if you're paid hourly. If you are salaried, if you work lots of hours, you don't make any extra. <laughs> but here's the thing. We all know that we go to work. We, we, we go to earn wages. We go to earn what we deserve. And God's word tells us that not only did Adam and Eve rebel against God, but all of us have rebelled against God. And we earn in doing so the wage of death. And death scripturally is separation from God for eternity. It is both physical and spiritual and eternal. Now, what happens is history continues to unfold in Genesis. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 6, and mankind has expanded and filled the earth, there are some who do the math and, and say with exponential growth, that mankind could have been in the billions by the time we get to the flood. And that society could have advanced pretty dramatically by the time we get to the flood of Genesis chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9. But what happens as mankind increases, sin increases. And God gets to the point where he has to judge mankind. Genesis 6 says us this, when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was deeply grieved. I'm not sure I understand. You see, what we have revealed here is that over the course of generations, man got worse and worse and worse. And the wickedness of their hearts was fully revealed. And God had to judge. He had no choice. And we see in this first great judgment upon mankind a picture of God's coming plans to save some from judgment 
if they would trust in him. If we look a little further, God says this, I will wipe out mankind whom I created off the face of the earth together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. This should be sobering. Because in Genesis chapter 1, what does God say about all of these things? He says, good, good, good. And he says, very good. But sin, rebellion against God, disobedience against his standards and decrees brought God in just the span of a few thousand years to being ready to destroy and judge everything that previously he had declared very good. It should be sobering for us. On one hand, we should see our value and say, we can be very good. God meant for us to be very good. He created us to be very good, but we have all, like these people, chosen our own path and rejected God. And look what it brought them. Judgment and death. What do we deserve for our own rebellion against God? Yes, death and judgment. Now, God was gracious though, wasn't he? Most of us know where this goes. There was one man, wasn't there? What was his name, guys, ladies? Oh my goodness, in this story, we're, we, you, you guys are working ahead to Jesus. We're going to get to Jesus, but let's focus on Genesis 6. Who's the guy in Genesis 6? Noah, exactly. See, you guys are too smart for your own good. You're working ahead, and you already knew all the answers to the end. All right, let's just do the invitation and be done. No. Noah! And God, God looks at Noah, one good man, and his wife and his three sons and their wives, and says, I'm going to save you guys. What does God tell Noah to do? Build a big boat and put animals on it, two of every kind, except for seven of the, uh, the clean animals, setting them apart for sacrifice later. God says, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to save animals and what are you going to do? Well, I'm, I'm going to have you build a boat, and then when it's time for the flood, what does he have to do? Get in it. Can, does, a, does a boat work for you if you're not in it? No. If you, you could build a big, beautiful boat, the world floods, and you're outside of it, and guess what's going to happen to you? Glug, 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 glug. Right, yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be a bad day for you. So... You can't just have a boat. You got to get in it, right? Noah and his family and all the animals, they get in the boat. God closes the door. 40 days and 40 nights, it rains. All together, Noah and his family, they were in the ark for over a year. Can you, that'd be like being in an RV with your family for a year. You're picturing it. You see just how amazing this was. And then... After that year, Noah and his whole family and all of the animals in the ark were saved. God brought judgment upon the whole world, but he provided a way of salvation for those who would get into the boat and be saved from judgment. It also tells us the hundred years that it took Noah and his family to build the ark, do you know what they did the whole time? They preached the coming judgment. 
They told everyone around them that God was going to judge the world and they needed to repent and come back to God that they could be saved. Do you know how many other people got in the ark? Zero. Well, seven other than Noah, but zero other than he and his family. Nobody believed. God provided a way of salvation and people refused it. Now, you might wonder, well, what does this have to do with us today? Well, God promised, first of all, he was never going to flood the world again. But he did say that there is another day of judgment coming. There is another day of judgment coming. He, he looks at this creation. He looks at all of us and says, I love you. In my eyes, you're very good. But in your actions, you have rebelled against me. And you deserve judgment. Because what does Romans 6.23 tell us? It says, the wages of sin is death. You deserve death. You deserve judgment. But God built an ark for all of us who would believe. He's not going to flood the world, but judgment is coming. And he's not going to use a boat, but instead he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to be our rescue from the coming judgment. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God for all who would believe on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is eternal life. And so everyone here today, I want you to hear this. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for like 150 years. You still need to be reminded of this. When God sees you, he sees one who has the potential to be very good. But you have rebelled against God. And you might think, well, I've never killed anybody. I'm cool. Yeah, not so much. Because here's what else scripture tells us. As it is written, there is no one righteous or no one who's good like God. No one who has lived up to his standards, not even one. So if no one is righteous, then who is excluded from that designation? No one. If no one is righteous, who is unrighteous and sinful? Everyone. Are you an everyone? You're part of everyone? Just, just wondering. I know I am. I'm part of the everyone. What is sin once again? Anything we have said, done, or thought that is in opposition to and rebellion against the standards of God. No one is righteous. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if all of us have sinned, all of us have done the work of sin, all of us have labored in sin, what have we earned for ourselves? Death, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.16, Jesus himself describes it this way, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The ark, I want you to picture the ark. To be saved from the flood, what did Noah and his family have to do? Get into the ark. God closed the door and God saved them. Same is true with Jesus. You can't just sit back and go, oh, what a nice thing God did for us. 
Oh, look at how much God loves me. He sent Jesus to die for me. How cool is that? But you must come to a point in your life, young and old, doesn't matter who you are, you must come to a point in your life where you believe in Jesus, where you get into Jesus, if you will. And when you get into a boat, what's in control of you? What's, what's surrounding you? What defines your life if you're in a big boat full of animals and your family? The boat. The boat is the standard for your life. It's where you wake up. It's where you lie down. It's where you eat. It's where you drink. It's where you sleep. The boat is life. To get into Jesus is to make Jesus your life. And when he says eat, you eat. And when he says sleep, you sleep. And when he says drink, you drink. You live like he commands. When you are in him, because he defines your life and he is rescuing you from the coming judgment. Everyone here today, the challenge for you, for me, is not just to look back and look at how good God is and how great we are and how much he loves us, but to understand that that love resulted in him building a boat by the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, and that you and I must make the choice to get in. Today, tomorrow, soon, though, Scripture tells us that on the day that the flood happened, people were just living life like normal. Jesus tells that, that everybody was just eating and drinking and giving in marriage and taking in marriage, that life was going on like normal, and then all of a sudden, do you know what happened? Judgment. And he says, that's how it will be in the last day as well. We're just going to be living life like normal, and do you know what will happen all of a sudden? Judgment. And if you are not in Christ, if you're not in the boat that God has provided to escape the coming judgment by turning your whole life over to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you will face the same consequences and results as those people outside the boat in Noah's day. You will perish in judgment. And so we look at the cross and we see just how much God loves us. And when we believe on Jesus, do you know what God says about us? Once again, we are very good. We are beloved. We are returned to the state that he desired for us in the first place, where we can walk with him and be in relationship with him and worship him like we were created for. So this morning, as we look at and remember all of the things of VBS, here are the, some questions and the quick answers for you and I. Number one, how can I become God's child? I want to believe on Jesus. I want to get into him. I want to make him my rescuer and my savior. So it doesn't matter if you're in kindergarten or you haven't been in kindergarten forever. Today is a day where you can choose to, to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and become a child of God. How do you do that? The first thing that you need to do is we look in God's word and it tells us that we can become God's child by admitting that we're a sinner. Too many of us, we are walking through this life and we think that we're in good shape. We're like, oh no, I'm good. I'm a good person. Are you now? If I could look into your mind, are you a good person? If I could see everything you've ever done, are you really a good person? 
or are you just a good person on Sunday mornings? No, the, the truth is, no one is good. All of us are sinners. That's the first step in coming to salvation is recognizing that you have rebelled against the Father, rebelled against your Creator, you have disobeyed Him, and that you deserve the consequences of that disobedience and that rebellion. Admit that you're a sinner. Uh, we're all sinners who have done wrong things, Romans 3.23. And God is perfect. He must punish sin, Romans 6.23. We can't get to heaven by trying to be good, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. In fact, even if you could be good, you can never be good enough to pay for even just one act of rebellion against God. And the, the rub is, is you can't be good. You can't save yourself. But God showed his love for us by sending his son Jesus to die for our sins, Romans 5, 8. So the second thing to understand from God's word is to believe who Jesus is and what Jesus did. The thing you must understand is that Jesus is the incarnate, the in-flesh Son of God who lived a perfect and sinless life and died on the cross uh, to pay the price for your sin. He rose again on the third day. And his resurrection, his coming back to life, is proof that he is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do for you. And that if you believe on him as Lord and Savior, your sins can be forgiven and you can be given new life forever with God. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in who Jesus is and what he did for you. And then finally, confess or choose to trust in Jesus.